Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. My name is Luke Stair, and today, Katie Reed Hodges and myself have a conversation with Gary Stidham, who not only is a part of our church, but also works with Baptist Student Ministries in Texas and has been at UTA uh, at the BSM there for quite a while. He preached a fantastic sermon on Sunday about evangelism, and we have a great conversation about how to practically live that out, and we hope that it is meaningful and formative for you. We're in the studio today, not with Dr. Dennis Wiles, because he is on sabbatical study leave, but our guest preacher from Sunday is Dr. Gary Stidham. What's up, everybody? Whoa. We can leave that first part off, though. I can try to keep that uh, secret. The, the doctor part? Yeah. Oh, really? Secret Dr. Gary Stidham. Do you really not like people to know? I don't mind if they know. I just don't love the title of okay. my name. Okay. Whenever I teach a class, I think they have to say it. But, but in general, other than that, I'm just Gary or okay. the old bald guy. Okay. Mm. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, just Gary. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you hear Luke stare. So we're here and we're interviewing him on uh, his sermon and wherever else we want to go with it. But Gary preached on evangelism. Is that a fair way to say that? That on is sharing, exactly what we did yes, sharing this the, weekend. Yeah, I know. It's, it's Tuesday morning. <laughs> It's not Monday, so we have to. We're going to mess up on that reference, I'm sure, a couple times. But what do you think, Luke? I mean, we've already been having a really good conversation that we I know at one point I said about that's five what I, minutes ago. Yeah, I said, why don't we just hit record because this is really good content. So um, there are a few things that we talked about that you talked about on Sunday that I that just stood out to me. One was I used to be a food service worker. Yeah, and so as a food service <laughs> employee. Yeah, tipping your sonic car hop. Yeah, do those yeah. things well, but also no one on earth has received more awkward evangelism encounters oh, than yeah. the people serving you food. Yep. Um, so if you're going to do it, do it well. Yeah, Starbucks baristas, sonic car hops, mm. waitresses, they get it incessantly. Yeah. I've yeah. been prayed over in tongues. I've had <laughs> prophetic words proclaimed over me. Mm-hmm. I've received fake money. Yep. So... We just try to tip well and be nice. Yep. And it turns out I mean, that's the more effective strategy. Yeah. They see a, us. There is a right way and a wrong way, and you can do it. The, I've been there when it's done the right way, and yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. Well, if anybody can do it the right way, it's probably Gary. It is. <laughs> I, I want to share one story that you made me think of because yeah, I think yeah. it's instructive, and then we'll move on. But when I was working okay. at a bakery, I was serving this couple, and they were very rude, just not <laughs> nice people. Mm. And so wait, I were they Christian? So I walk I mean, by, <laughs> right, and they're having this conversation about how to get more people to come to their church. Right. And I just wanted to say, well, <laughs> you could just be nice. Here's a start. Um, I did not because I wanted a tip. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's the life of a food service worker. So be nice to them. Yeah. Um, don't be weird. Don't be yeah. awkward. Just be nice. Yep. Yeah. And we tell our college students one of the rules, there's three Things you have to be if you want to have a gospel conversation. Res- Ooh, this is a good start. Respectful. Yes. Respectful. Upfront. Mm. And it's got to be a permission based conversation. Like the last thing you want to do is hold somebody captive. Yeah. And Ooh. that's a problem with restaurant servers, is they're a captive audience. Yeah. They're there to serve not you. They can't just And they're trying to get your money. They can't just say, I'm not interested in this conversation, walk away. Right. And so if you if you just assume 
they've got to sit here and listen to me. That's actually making a pretty bad impression. And you may so, be slowing them down from their job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So say those things again. It has to be respectful. one. Yeah, respectful. Let's talk so, more about that. Yeah. So what does a respectful gospel conversation look like? Um, for starters, you make eye contact and you smile and you're kind. Um, mm -hmm. it's Good just, basics. It's just not – and, you know, at UTA, I work with a lot of engineers, so we just have to remind them. No, just people skills. Yeah, just basic people skills. So actually be kind to people, um, and that can change the conversation from an awkward one to a good one if you're just a kind. And, and we have a lot of engineers at our church who listen to this podcast, so we're not specifically calling you out. No, no, no. I have two sons that are engineers. I started as an engineer. Engineers are great, but we sometimes need coaching in yeah. the people mm -hmm. skills area. But yeah, respectful upfront means you never start a conversation under a false pretense, mm. pretext. Um, yeah. So for instance, on UTA's campus, we mm. will do what we call initiative evangelism. We'll just go in pairs and talk to people we don't know, invite them to Bible study. But we're always very upfront about who we are. We don't walk up and just say, hey, we're just walking around meeting people. We just say, hey, I'm Gary. This is Luke. We're part of a Bible study on campus and we're inviting people. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested? Have you ever thought of joining a Bible study? Mm -hmm. So it's upfront mm -hmm. from, the begin from the beginning about who you are, yeah. what you're doing. You Which is a way of respect as well. Yeah, yeah it, it, shows, it shows. And then permission base is real important because you, what you don't want to do is like your server, you rope them into a conversation. Um, so whenever, even when we have those kinds of high initiative conversations, we're still, um, I'll even put my hands up. You can't see me right now, but I got my hands up like, whoa. Um, and I'll say, hey, I don't know if you're interested in talking or not. But if you are, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you about our Bible study. Mm -hmm. So they know I'm not trying to interrupt them. And if they're busy at all, then I want to yeah. leave them be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's based on them giving explicit permission to have a conversation with them mm -hmm. and they know what they're going to talk about. So those are good rules. If you're going to have, especially like on a mission trip or you're going to have a cold conversation, respectful, upfront, permission-based. I like it. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to operate in the world because so many of it are people who listen to old jobs mm -hmm. in not church workplaces. And so if you're thinking about how do I do this with my coworkers, again, mm -hmm. respectful, upfront, permission-based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some really good tips in there, yep. I think, in how you navigate yeah, this. Yeah, and if any of those is lacking, it's not a good witness in the most basic sense uh, uh -huh. to, to who Christ is and yep. how we operate in the world. So mm. that's great. Well, can we talk about the sermon a little bit? Sure. You chose John 4, yes. the woman at the well. Yes. Uh, tell me why you chose that story. Um, three or four reasons. It shows Jesus engaging someone who comes to faith. Yep. I mean, by the, yeah. by the end, she believed and many people from the town believe. Yeah, very effective um, story. She's unlikely because she has everything going against her. The Jews would have said, this is not the kind of person mm. who, A, we ought to engage and B, who would even be interested. Mm. And yeah, so they have some presumptions they bring to about it. About Samaritans. And I, and I like to say that the... The Jews thought of Samaritans the way evangelical Christians think of Mormons. Like they say that they're mm. who we are, but they've turned so far astray mm. of faith in the true God that we don't really consider them of us. Yeah. So so they so there was this taboo about engaging Samaritans and a taboo about engaging women and a taboo about engaging people in illicit relationships like mm -hmm. she was. So mm -hmm. it showed Jesus engaging an unlikely person. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it showed it showed him having this very question driven conversation mm -hmm. with her where he he was asking provocative questions. She goes from being skeptical to being open to being curious and seeking mm -hmm. to by the end of the conversation, maybe even believing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, her first act as a new believer is to go back to town and tell the whole town. Tell everybody. Yeah. And to tell everybody. Mm. 
And then I, the last thing in that passage that I love, the reason I picked it is because Jesus tells this truth. He says to the disciples, you people have a saying, four more months and then the harvest. I think we explained it yesterday, but it was an agricultural mm -hmm. metaphor for you plant and then you just relax for four months and then you do the hard work of harvest. And it was a way of saying, relax, there's no harvest right now. And as he's saying this, this whole village of these unlikely converts are making their way to meet the Messiah. Mm. And he says, open your eyes. The harvest is now. Mm. And we have this presumption that in secular America, materialistic America, that people aren't interested in spiritual things. And it's true compared to 50 years ago, the average non-Christian isn't checking out church on a Sunday morning or coming on an Easter Sunday, mm -hmm. but they are spiritually hungry and curious. People are deeply searching for yep. meaning in their lives. Yep. Uh, at UTA will, uh, when we do contact evangelism, like high initiative, cold mm -hmm. evangelism, yeah. um, I'll, I'll ask older people, I'll say, how many college students do you think we have to ask permission to talk to before one of them says, yeah, we can have a come. We can talk. Mm. You can ask me about my spiritual beliefs. Yeah. And their presumption is everybody's hostile or mad or not interested. And it's north of half. Mm -hmm. So more than 50% of every college student you walk up to and say, hey, would you tell me what you believe spiritually? Could we have that conversation? More than half will say, yeah, sure. I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll talk I'll to you about that. Yeah. yeah. So they're just very more, much more open than you would so it Spec. looks different. I mean, there's the spiritual landscape of the college mm -hmm. campus looks different than it did when maybe the people listening went to college. Even yep. I went to college 15. Okay, I haven't really done the math, but <laughs> a while back. And maybe the landscape even looks different than when I did, although I spent a lot of time on college yeah. campuses since then. But the the truth of the matter is that people are still spiritually curious. Yep. They just might not take it to a established church yep. to kind of explore that. I even think Gen Z is even more open than the millennials mm. were in some ways. Like mm. if you if you think um, about, I think that's true. They're less religious overall, but they're more like the the among the millennials. There's more baggage with church, right? Could, they that, have, could that play to our advantage? Is what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. If you're less religious, and they're more of a blank slate, yeah. And yeah. so then instead of being angry at the church for whatever reason, yeah. and they had a bad experience in a youth group when they're younger, they just they're just blank slate. They have no. They're ambivalent about religion. They have not had any experience, positive or negative. Of my yeah. peers. And just yeah. to yeah. clarify, just in case people aren't certain or know these things, Katie and I would be millennials. So that's yep. people born between 1981 and 1996. Roughly, yep. Roughly. Gen Z are people born between 1997 yeah. and 2000-something. Yeah, the Gen Zers are in their early 20s, and the millennials go up to 40-ish. Mm -hmm. so that's why we joke on the internet, because um, everybody still blames, like, oh, these millennials, and, you know, they're out partying and whatever. And we're all like, um, we have, we're, some of us have, like, 10-year-olds. Yeah, and we have, the oldest millennials have grandkids now. Yeah, I mean, we are, um, we go to bed at 10, we have mortgages, we are not the problem in that way, you yeah. know. So, we're not out partying. Yeah, we're not, th those dang millennials. Definitely not Katie and I. You, I wish I could be out partying. <laughs> yeah, so it's called Gen Z. Gen Z. That's who you can blame now for all the world's problems. Yes. Stop Gen blaming Z. millennials. Yeah. For ruining whatever industry right. of the day. Anyway, so, uh, well, Gary, what do you want us to know? I mean, obviously you went through several bullet points Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you, a lot of good anecdotal stories to kind of sure. back it up. But uh, even even with that, there's always something that doesn't make the sermon. There's a direction that wouldn't have made sense to put something in or, sure. you know, do you have some left on the table that you really want us to hear about? Well, probably too many things to say. I've been doing okay. evangelism training for years. But well, train yeah. us. Yeah. Well. well, that is one thing we talked about. And and may, may I, for just for a second, yeah. kind of take us in a direction. 
when, before we hit record, we were kind of sharing, and it's not fully baked for our church, so um, you can help us speak into it, but don't expect this to be a declaration of what we're going to do. But Luke and Ashley and Kurt and I have been dreaming about how we take what we know about FBCA and put it on mission in the ways that make sense to us. And we think it might be some kind of sm- small group, but not for the sake of learning more about the Bible, because we have all those already, mm-hmm. but small group for the sake of mission. Yep. And breathing, breathing out, <laughs> breathing in. How do you say it, Luke? We inhale at church, we exhale in these. Yeah, you know, on Sunday morning, we all come together. But how do we send you all collectively out yeah. into life yeah. in Arlington? And, and by you all, we really mean us. Like, we want to be a part of yeah, it. Yeah, we do. So we're we're experimenting with these kind of groups that might um, have power together in people's homes or affinity-based that can then have more power to go and do. And so you talked about some characteristics of um, – the, the salty, like the spiritual conversation and, and help me bridge the gap because we were saying, even if we put groups together, people might not know mm-hmm. the nuts and bolts about, okay, we got a new, I met a new person and I have this great group to bring them to, but I still lack the ability to really get to the core of a spiritual decision. And so I think that might be a good way for us to spend our time with Gary. I think that's a fantastic Gary's way. <laughs> just really uh, seasoned and professional, you know, oh, I hate to say you're a pro because that makes it um, other, you know, yeah. like. Oh, it's Gary. He's the pro at this, but it's you've learned along the way. Something we do done for years on campus is just help young adults be live more openly, live more missional lives. And uh, I'm thrilled that you guys are going to start some groups because yeah, at, on the campus, that's what we've seen is most effective. Is evangelism isn't a solitary endeavor. It's something that you have to do. Um, even if even if you're sh- the sharing you do as individual, you the you're only motivated and equipped to do it if you're in community with other believers that have the same values. That are um, any equipping you do is better than no equipping that you do. So mm-hmm. so evangelism training is really vital. Like we, it's one thing to hear in a sermon. We should share our faith. It's a whole other thing to hone those skills and to understand how to ask better questions, how to, how to hone a gospel presentation. Yeah. One thing that keeps some people from sharing the gospel is they know vaguely the gospel. They might be able to talk through some narrative about it, but they haven't really rehearsed. Mm. Um, how would I put in two minutes this, a summary of the message of the whole yeah. Bible or a summary of the reason that Jesus came oh. so that in a personal conversation, if the opportunity came up, I could share it. So we coach our students to, and it doesn't even matter which gospel presentation you use. The one, yeah. Some people say, what's the best and method it's, to it's share the gospel? the one you can share the best. It's the one that you actually know yeah. and can use. Yeah. Yeah. One of the mistakes that we'll make is we'll teach five methods and say, you know, you can pick one of these. But the most movements that are really seeing evangelistic momentum, they pick one gospel presentation mm. and they teach it, teach it, teach it. Then you practice it, practice it, and then you rehearse it, you rehearse it. Um, and then you you get so accustomed to it, you can share it in your sleep. Mm. So and then, because the whole community has adopted the same narrative, mm-hmm. it makes it there's power in that. Is that what you? I mean, because I would think in a like in a diverse say we launch something and say hey come to this training and we get well wouldn't it be great like a hundred people in the room right. for First Baptist and and we say here's a way to do it. I would think with such a diverse crowd, we would want to throw out like here's make it your own, take it. But you're saying. We're just going to do this one because it, it makes them more confident in it. With, what's what's with, the key there? With, with students, if we say here are five ways to share your faith, they'll recall zero of the ways to share their faith. But Got if it. we say here is a way and we're going to learn it and we're going to practice it and we're going to get with a partner, mm-hmm. practice it with your partner, and they're going to give you feedback, then they're going to share it and you're going to give them feedback. And then you're going to turn to another partner and you're going to practice it with them and get... 
and they get so accustomed to sharing it that whenever they're with a friend and spiritual things come up, they say, hey, can I show you something that's really helped me know mm-hmm. how to have a relationship with God? Could I share it with you? Which that was just a pro tip right there on how to start that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of transition. We can talk about salty in a second, but yeah, that's a, I do want to before we're that's done. That's a good yeah. transition. Yeah. Um, a couple things I would have said in the sermon. Okay. Yeah. Hit, hit me with them. One is... Um, one is we talked about the privilege of that, that evangelism is a privilege. Mm-hmm. We tend to see it as this obligation or a duty, something yeah. that we're, we don't look forward to doing mm-hmm. when really it's a privilege. We're an yeah. ambassador. Um, another thing that we've seen at UTA overseeing you know, this group of a few hundred students lead a few hundred to Christ mm-hmm. is how much becoming more uh, engaging in evangelism mm-hmm. fuels all the other disciplines of this Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like to say, if you can get a Christian to do three things, okay. they will grow in their depth and knowledge, their their intimacy so, with Christ. Okay, so if you're listening and you want to grow. If you want to grow in your intimacy your with Christ. Yeah. Here's some things you can do according to Gary. Number one, time in God's word every day. You've oh, gotta, Kurt Grice, where are you? You love this so you gotta, much. You got to <laughs> be in God's word. Read you can't, your Bible. You don't, you don't get enough 30 minutes in a sermon on Sunday. You need to be in God's word daily. You need to have a real prayer life where you're you're in this two-way communication Read with your the Bible. Lord. You hear from Pray. God through scripture. You now speak to God through language. prayer. <laughs> and, then, and then share your faith. So your mm. faith isn't just focused inwardly. Yeah. It's focused outwardly. If you want to be have a holistic healthy, growing faith that can't just be focused on me and mine. It's got to be focused on God's world. Mm -hmm. But I know lots of Christians who do, number one and number two, all the time, and they never share their faith. They're in God's word, they're in prayer, they never share their faith. But I rarely meet a Christian who highly prioritizes witness, sharing their faith, that isn't always, isn't also in God's word and Mm -hmm. isn't in prayer. Because if I say, I want to share my faith, I don't know what in the world I'm supposed to say to these people. Mm -hmm. So it drives me to God's word Mm. to to learn what Mm -hmm. I need to say. Mm -hmm. And I also recognize there's no way in the world I can take a dead person and I can make them become alive. I can't take blind eyes and open them to God's reality. So it drives me to prayer. Evangelism drives me to prayer. I can't do this. I need God's help. Mm -hmm. So it creates a desperation in me that makes me want to pray more. Mm -hmm. It drives me to Christian community and accountability because mm-hmm. I know I'm like it's terrifying to share your faith mm. but so I need help I need community if I'm going to do it so it so if I say I want to share my faith more it drives me to find people who value that as well mm-hmm. and instead of just attending a Sunday school class with them I have a real camaraderie with them because we're on this mission together yeah so all the other disciplines of the Christian life are fueled by evangelism so we pushed evangelism in our campus ministry, and we saw Christian students grow in intimacy with Christ as a result. Mm-hmm. It, it fueled everything else. Right. How about that? Right. That's good. Okay. Anything mm-hmm. else you would have said? Gosh, that's too- not a fair question. Anything else that you think is worth m- mentioning in here? Because clearly there's always something more you could have said, would have said. You know, you can add yeah. strength to strength for sure. Um, I think... I would have talked some more. I wish I'd talked some more about urgency. Mm. Um, there's we we talked a little bit about urgency that like eternity is yeah, real. You, you mentioned that it is. Yeah. And uh, I think about the mm-hmm. parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where Jesus makes this mm-hmm. picture so abundantly clear that every person dies and faces one or two eternal destinies. Um, I, I had a my mentor in college had an older uh, pastor at my church who mentored me and my 
roommate for a year. And one of the assignments, he, he said, I'll meet with you, but I'm going to give you assignments. You got to do them. Like my time costs something. Yeah. And that what that cost is, is you've got to do the assignments. Yeah. So he talked to us about eternity and eternal destiny evangelism. And he gave us an assignment. He said, I want you to go by yourself to the mall, to the shopping mall. And I just want you to sit and people watch. And he gave us that C.S. Lewis quote from, uh, I think it's from The Weight of Glory. You've never met a mere mortal. You've never met a mere mortal. Mm. Every person with whose eyes you block is an eternal creature. And if you were to see them how they truly were, you'd either be horrified or amazed. Amaz- yeah, you'd Something be tempted like to worship. If you saw them in their post-death state, their eternal state, you'd either be horrified or you'd be tempted to worship them. Mm. We never lock eyes with a mere mortal. And he said, I want you to sit at the mall, watch people walk by and recognize there's not a mere mortal anywhere in the sea of people. Mm. Everyone is an eternal mm. destiny. It was the first time in my life I just looked out over a large group of people and thought, every one of these people is going to stand before the throne and face him and answer for what they did with their lives and what they did with Christ. Mm. And that weight was heavy. And and so I think we would do well to reflect on that when we think about our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, that these are people who live on. Mm. Mm. Good word. Um, I think I would have talked a little more about, uh, so at UT Arlington, when God's, when this movement started 10 years ago, we started seeing a lot of people come to Christ. One of the key turning points was training, getting enough, getting people confident enough that they could have natural conversations. So instead of doing like what you do on a mission trip where you just put tracks in people's hands and go hand them out, there's actually some fine nuanced skills where you know how to even start a conversation, mm-hmm. even even be helpful in the way you ask questions of other people. Yeah. So we put together a little, uh, we borrowed an acronym called SALT that I think Rice Brooks, he's an evangelist, he uses it. And we added a Y at the end. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll and walk, you'll tell us why. I'll walk okay. through it. I'll tell yeah. you why yeah, yeah, at yeah. the end. Um, <laughs> salt, salt is start a conversation, ask questions, listen to the answers, tell the good news. Okay. And it's just an outline that for the structure of a healthy, respectful, evangelistic conversation. Mm-hmm. So start a conversation is easy. It can just be as simple as introducing yourself to a new person. Yeah. Um, it could be as simple as somebody you already know of just saying, hey, I've never asked you this question before, but are you religious at all? Because I think that's a good, I don't mean to interrupt you. I mean, obviously I want to yeah. hear this. But for our people listening, it, they may not encounter new people all the time. Right. Like on a college campus, you might. Right. But they live life in these spheres right. where they would love to figure out how to talk to their neighbor or their coworker right. or their gym partner. But it's awkward because they've known them for so long. Right. And they haven't brought it up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I said that in the sermon yesterday. Is it, can be, it can be really awkward if you say, right, if yeah. you know somebody for five years and yeah. then you say, hey, there's something I've been meaning to tell you, but the most important thing in my life is. You're right. And you're like, I've known you five years. You never said a word yeah. about that. So how do you start a conversation having no, you know what I mean? How, yeah. do, you, how do you write that wrong, a, if we call it that? A really good way to do it is we need to normalize spiritual conversations instead of making them this thing that we build up to and yeah. build up to and the tension builds up and the music swells. It seems to be natural and normal. So instead of like deep breath and they feel like you're about to mm. confess some big sin yeah. to them, just very casually say, ask a curious question. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I've never asked you this before, but I'm like, I go to church, but I've never asked you if you're a religious person. Is that something you're even open to talking about? Yeah. I'd just be curious what, what your beliefs are. I is think that's great. Something as natural as I, that. That sounded very normal. Mm-hmm. 
I think mm-hmm. the listener would agree. So, okay, <laughs> that's helpful. Because anyway, if I'm thinking about, I want them to contextualize. Yeah. And when you think about starting a conversation, it may not be with a new person on a plane yeah. or whatever. So. And, um, and, and sprinkling your conversations with salt. So we talked in the sermon yesterday about filtering. Sometimes we mm-hmm. filter what we say when we're in and around non-Christians. So I'll talk about going to church with people who I know are Christians, but I won't even mention that I go to church if I'm with somebody that's not a mm-hmm. Christian. Well, that's part of my life. I should mention I go to the grocery store, I go to the gym, I go mm-hmm. to church. Just let your conversation be sprinkled with salt. If you, yeah. if you work out and you eat breakfast and you read your Bible in the morning, say, I work out, I eat breakfast, I read my Bible in the morning. So that you're just, the things you do that nurture your faith, mm-hmm. you just tell your friends about. Yeah. And those kinds of things can lead to conversations that come up more naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, then, so start a conversation, ask questions. Um, we love to say everybody's mo- favorite topic of conversation is themselves. So if you take a posture of, I want to investigate this person's soul. I want to ask them open-ended conversations just so I can understand where they stand before, where, where they stand when it comes to spiritual things, how they view God, how they view grace, how they mm-hmm. view... Uh, and so I'm just going to ask question. One of the problems with a lot of canned evangelism programs is you ask questions, but you already know the answers to the questions. Mm-hmm. They're canned questions. So there's a mm-hmm. really popular one that uses the Ten Commandments. So have you ever told a lie? Yes, I've told a lie. What does that make you? It makes you a liar. Well, you already know the mm-hmm. answer to the question. Have you ever told a lie? It's it's more of a hook or a yeah. gotcha question. Right. Um, but the kinds of questions that we ask, if I'm like having a first conversation with a student, hey, what's your spiritual background? What, what did that look like for you growing up? Mm-hmm. What, what does it look like now? Or do you, do you do religious stuff at all now? Um, the whole time you're asking questions, you're not expressing any judgment. If they if they mm-hmm. if they answer and say no, I don't go to church, you don't kind of scowl at them and say, oh, that's bad. Yeah, this isn't the place for judgment. <laughs> this isn't the place to be judgmental. A, we believe God will do that. Yeah. you're told not to do that. Right. actually, explicitly in Scripture. And and I just want to know them. I just want to know about them uh, because mm-hmm. I care about them. And if they sense that I care about them, they'll be much more open to share mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. themselves. It's, dis- it's disarming. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Uh, what's the purpose of life? What do you think is most important in life? That's this big mm-hmm. existential question. Yeah. Um, what do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. How do you think we should relate to God? Mm-hmm. Um, do you, uh, you know, if what would you say if you? Uh, what do you think is on the other side? If you were to die, what do you think is on the other side of that? And so all of these questions, you're not trying to assert your gospel faith on them. You're just trying to mine from them what they what they know, what they believe, what they practice. Mm-hmm. And most people, if you ask genuinely curious questions about them, yeah. they're, they feel respected. They feel appreciated. They feel listened to. Um, and I would say if you're in the middle of doing that, what I wouldn't do is then flip the script around and say, well, let me tell you about mine. Mm-hmm. What I would do is ask permission. And so if you've been asking them, say, hey, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I don't know if you'd be interested. I'd love to share with you something I've learned about having a relationship with God. Or mm-hmm. I'd love to share you with you something I saw in the Bible that it says about uh, that question that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be? Would it be okay if I shared that with you? It probably would only take me a minute to show you the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you mm. ask permission to then flip and share with them yeah. the reason for the hope that you have. And what's really beautiful about this is none of it is manipulative. No, it's none a, of it's judgmental. Straight up. It's straight up. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just makes space for God to do His thing. I yeah. mean, you're being used by God in that way. Yeah. You know, and if the spirits at work in their in their spirit, yep, then it's going to happen. Yep. You know. You don't have to hammer it out of them. 
So yeah, and the the spirit. So you bring up the spirit. We haven't talked about him yet, but hit me, um, hit me with it. Uh, the one of the one of Christians' bad assumptions about evangelism is somebody who doesn't want to share talking to somebody who doesn't want to hear. Mm. But if I look hmm. out, say I'm on my campus or I'm at the Parks Mall in Arlington, I look out and there's a sea of people out there. I'm going to assume that there are some people in that crowd that are hard and close to the gospel and not interested right mm. now. And I'm going to assume there's some of those people and the Holy Spirit is already doing what the Spirit does. He's convicting of sin. He's opening their eyes to the truth. He's, he's causing them to seek. He's, he's leading them and wooing them mm. and, and drawing them. And so if I'm going to talk to one or the other, one category of person, which one do I want to talk to? The one that's hard and not interested or the one who's interested? Yeah. I want to talk to the one right. who's interested. Mm -hmm. The best way to find out which category they're in is to ask. Is this something you like to talk about or that you're not comfortable talking about? Yeah. And if they say, I don't really like talking about that, then that's their answer. And, and then should... that's the conversation. Yeah, that's the conversation. That's mm -hmm. But if you say, is that something you're interested in talking about? And some people will say, I, just, I don't really talk about it very much. But And sometimes people will just start spilling their soul to you just by asking, are you interested in talking about it? So, so ask permission because you want to filter out people who are closed and talk to people that are open. Mm -hmm. So in salty, start mm -hmm. a conversation, ask the questions, and then L is listen. Yeah, and kind of talked about that. Yeah, two two eye or how does how does it You've go? Got two, ears, two ears, one mouth. And one mouth. <laughs> so listen. But a you lot talked more about you that. Talk. I mean, you truly listen. You're not just yeah. asking a question to wait for their answer to say what you already knew you were going to say. And and just good listening skills apply. So they 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 tell you something and you say. Oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Or what did you mean when you said, or <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what did you mean when you said blank yeah. or, or, um, Hey, let me put into my words what I think you're saying. Yeah. And you tell me if I'm mm -hmm. right or wrong. And you mm -hmm. just, and you repeat back to them what they say for some young adults that we interact with, we may be the first person if we're interacting with a stranger. We haven't met, but we may be the first person who's ever asked them about their spiritual beliefs. Mm. And sometimes they're processing these questions as they're speaking because they've just never had to think deeply about it. Mm. It's a really sweet And that's thing part of the the, gen, of. the the beauty of the Gen Z thing yep. is that is that clean slate. There's yep. not all this baggage where you say, yep. well tell me what you think about the Bible. Yeah. And I, oh gosh, well da, da, da. <laughs> right. you know, it's like, well I've never really right. considered that, you know. Yeah. I think on it's college fun. campus there's less hostility now than there was six or seven years yeah, ago that's in good some to hear. ways. That's great. In some ways. Yeah. Okay. So L, you Us know. millennials are a bunch of cynical people. Yeah, sometimes. We, are. we can be. We can be. But we're not always, anyway. So listen. Listen. And T? the T is tell the good news, uh, which is. So, yeah. I mean, tell us. What do you think about that? How, how might Gary, in a succinct way, tell the good news? Does it depend on what you heard from their conversation? Um, it, it can. But, it, but in, in general, I really like using a, a, a concise gospel presentation mm -hmm. and, and on, people say, well, what's the best one? And I'm like, well, the one you actually know mm -hmm. and use, if it acknowledges that humanity is made to know God, that sin separates us and causes a rift in our relationship with God, that Christ is the savior sent by God, that his death and resurrection provide reconciliation and that a response is required. That, I, that God offers a gift and I have to receive the gift. If it makes clear those basic, and in pretty much any gospel presentation that people are mm -hmm. saying, here's, here's an option, 
does those things. So the one you actually know and can share is the best one. Yeah. Um, at, at UTA, we teach, there's a little presentation called Three Circles we like. Mm -hmm. And so we teach that to students. And then we also have some simple gospel booklets that um, people say, I don't like tracks. Well, if you call it a booklet, it's not a track anymore. So, <laughs> um, and the, and there's a very specific way to use booklets. We can, uh, and on my website, there's a, how to use a booklet track. You, you don't just go and hand them out at random to people. You use it, uh, use it as a printed resource to walk somebody through the gospel. Mm. So tell the good news is the yeah, T. Salt. Um, and then the yes or no, the response part. Oh, that's the why? Say. Is yeah, that the why? That's the why, yes or no. Mm. Call for a response. So for for a for a year, uh, on our on campus, we were sharing the gospel with a lot of people. Students had gotten really bold, but mm -hmm. we weren't seeing many people come to Christ. Mm. Part of the reason is we had had a little of influence from a theology that I consider a bad theology, um, and it was certain guys who rail against the manipulation of people, like in a youth camp setting or response where you manipulate a decision and high pressure, emotional, walk the aisle, pray the prayer. Mm -hmm. And so they would rail against sinners' prayers and altar calls. And so we, so the students who were sharing a lot, they would say something like, hey, take this truth you've just heard and just go get alone with God and consider it and do whatever he tells you to do. And if he mm -hmm. tells you to turn, well, something didn't strike us right with that. So the next year, when my coworker, Pudi and I, we mm -hmm. were saying something just doesn't seem right because in the book of Acts at Pentecost, they preach the gospel, the message of Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. And it says they were cut to the heart, mm -hmm. Acts chapter 2, mm -hmm. and they cried out, brothers, what must we do to be saved? And the realization is lost people don't know how to receive Christ. Mm -hmm. They need someone who knows Christ to walk them through how to receive Christ. Mm -hmm. So we made a commitment. We said every person, every time we share the gospel, one-on-one, -on -one, small group, large group, we're going to give people a chance to say yes or no, not a high pressure, manipulative chance, but just a mm -hmm. chance to say yes or no. So if we shared the gospel one-on-one, -on -one, hey, I don't know, on a scale of one to 10, how ready are you to accept this message? Are you, are you there yet? Are you still mm -hmm. a long ways off? Yeah. Um, or if we present the gospel in a bi big Bible study, a worship service, mm -hmm. then at the end, we might just say, hey, if you're ready to receive Christ, you can just pray in your seat right there. And we'd love for you to tell us on a commitment card in your seat that you've done that. Mm -hmm. So we just gave people a chance to respond every time we shared the gospel. And lo and behold, that's what some off. people, most people were like not ready, but yeah. some people were. And so they started responding. But mm -hmm. if you never give people a chance to respond, you'll never see them respond. Mm -hmm. But if you're sharing the gospel a lot and asking people, is this, uh, is God drawing you to this message? Is God drawing you to Jesus? Um, some people will say, actually, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes or no. Yes or no. I like it. Ask for a response. That's good. Salty. Salty. There you go, everyone. <laughs> I know. I just wonder. I think it's a good conversation we're having, and I wonder with those listening if this is helpful to just to prime the pump on yeah. your readiness, yep. your your equipped equipedness yep. <laughs> to be ready to do this, and how we as a church can come alongside and train and help and mm -hmm. get us all where we want to be. And I'll just say, I'm, thrill I'm thrilled that you guys are putting an emphasis on sharing the faith, engaging the community. I love mm -hmm. that we were out on the 4th of July, engaging the community. Yeah. 
I think Luke has had a, a good. Here's my. I'll praise Luke for a second. Yeah, uh, I like Luke. We don't have to do that. Lot, no, I like Luke a lot, and I'll take responsibility because I did hire Luke. And so, if, it, <laughs> if it's good or bad, you can email me. But I think Luke has. You know, he's. Um, we're under a two-year commitment, which we hope will go much longer. But it's funded by a uh, designated gift, et cetera. So everybody knows that. But anyway, so I look at it in these two-year chunks because that's what it is. But uh, I feel like Luke has spent the first year doing. He's a researcher by nature mm. and a learner. And a studier. And I think he has studied us in our context really well. And try, I mean, I've tried things, not just sitting in his office, but, you know, experiment here, experiment there, try this, talk to these people. I think you've gotten a really good lay of the land. And I think in year two, we'll get to see a very thoughtful, context appropriate missional effort. Yep. That's the way Let's I view so. it. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Not, I don't want to say that you've been in a lab tinkering and here's the thing, but the lab has been our church. And let's try this over here. Let's try this. We get to know our people, yep. get to know our strengths. I pointed at Gary when I said that. And then um, and then I think year two, which we're just now starting, I think we'll get to see a, a lot of fruit of that good, I'm hoping, good research. hoping and learning. praying. Yeah, we are truly hoping yeah, and praying. A big part of what Luke's emphasis is, is this: it's kind of reclaiming this really important New Testament truth that every member is a minister. Amen. That, that, it, that it's not just the evangelist yeah. who is to evangelize. Mm-hmm. It's all of us sort of. Especially in a Baptist context. And, and I mean, it's, part, and it's, part, of the, it's part of the reason that so, there's a Southern Baptist church in every small town everywhere in the South is because Baptists believed in the priesthood of every believer. And we said anybody can preach the gospel. So farmers, mm-hmm. yeah. farmers and ranchers and just started churches in every small town everywhere in the South because we said, you don't have to be seminary trained. You don't have to be an official minister. You've got the gospel. Take it. Good. And let's, yeah, let's reclaim it and then learn how to do it well. That's appropriate, respectful, all these things that Gary's saying, but let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I'll say, stay tuned. We're working on launching something to train, equip, and mobilize all of us as a community. So Yes, and it's going to be fun and beautiful and meaningful. So it's coming. All right. Well, Gary, we, we're so glad you're part of our church. We're Thanks, very guys. grateful for you. And uh, we appreciate your sermon on Sunday and that just that you're part of our ebb and flow. So glad to have you in our awesome. church. Love yes. this church and love you guys. Likewise. Likewise. All right. Thanks, everybody. listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.